Luke 9, 1 and 2. Then Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Skipping down to verse 6. They departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. And then down to verse 10. And the apostles on their return told Jesus about all that they had done. There are three action words to talk about what Jesus does in this passage. And the first is called, the second is gave, and the third is sent. He called his disciples to himself. He gave them power and authority. And then he sent them to proclaim or to announce, to tell about the kingdom and to heal the sick. Called, gave, and sent. Every single one of us is supposed to be called by Jesus because the whole Christian life is his initiative. Jesus says later to the disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. This wasn't you asking to join my squad and then for the rest of time trying to prove you're worthy to be on my team or trying to earn your keep. No, 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 I chose you. So you can settle for all time. This was never your idea, I want you. I want you more than you want me. I love you more than you love me. I desire fellowship with you more than you desire fellowship with me. God is the initiator. God is the pursuer. We used to have this idea that the boy should ask the girl out in the relationship to prove that he actually has love for her and that's the kind of love that she can depend on and, be, and he'll be faithful because he's a man enough to do hard things that require courage and risk rejection. My point is this, that God is like that. So faith is never making something happen. Faith is always the amen to God's yes. Jesus called the 12 and us. Can you think of any times in your life when you have felt the pull of the Lord to himself? Now, let's talk about the second verb. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. This is the part where Christians shy away. First off, what's the difference between power and authority? If I knock on your door and I do not have the authority to enter, and I enter illegally, that's gonna get thrown out in a court case and I'm gonna get in trouble. If I knock on your door and I have a warrant from a judge to come and to enforce the law, then when I come into your house, I'm not breaking the law. Not only do I have a right to be there, I have a responsibility to be there. That's authority. But how will I break down the door? I have to have the power. I have to have one of them things that slams the door down. I probably should have maybe a taser or maybe some handcuffs. Jesus says, how can you break into a strong man's house unless you first overpower the strong man? The authority comes from his commission. He walks in authority because he's submitted to the, the one over him, and you have authority in, to the extent to which you are in submission to his instructions for you. That's the badge. What's the power? Well, you could say the power is the taser or the power is the gun or the power is the handcuffs. What is that for us? Where does power come for us? Well, he told them to wait in Jerusalem until power clothes them from on high, from heaven. The Holy Spirit is the power from on high. We remember the judges in the Old Testament, like Samson, who had great strength, would then have a power that the enemies of God's people could not overcome. Of course, Samson then had his hair cut. So if he, if he failed to be consecrated to the Lord, then he lost his power. Just think about that for a while. Notice it says, how much authority did he give them over demons? He gave them authority over all demons. Of course, we remember the seven sons of Sceva in the book of, book of Acts, and they went into a house with a demonized guy, and they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, and some MMA stuff happens, and they come out of the house naked. Oh, there's a bluebird, a blue jay. What's happened to blue? two blue jays right there? 
What's happening, Blue Jays? They don't actually have authority and power from Jesus. They don't know Jesus. They know about Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Power and authority flow naturally from God to the person who is much with, much intimate with God. Not to wield for our purposes, but to enforce the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the will of God on the earth. Third verb, Jesus sent those disciples and the 70 out to show and tell. The message that the disciples were called to preach was the exact same message that Jesus preached. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God has drawn near. There's been an imposter sitting on the throne of human hearts and lives, and God's will hasn't been done on earth. But now that I'm here, I'm here representing God's rule for a change, and I'm here bringing God's will to earth for a change. Turn back to the living God, be forgiven, and be healed in Jesus' name. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I am willing. Be clean. This is his gospel. His gospel is God's will breaking into a fallen world. His gospel is eternal life now. And you go, yeah, but not perfectly. Yeah, I know we're in the middle of a war zone. So no, not perfectly, but really. God is like Jesus. He is perfect love. And in his kingdom, there's no sin, there's no sickness, there's no death, there's no alienation, there's no enmity. It was not his plan from the beginning. It's how things became, but it's not how he wanted things to be. And because it's not what he wanted, it's not how it will be at the end when his will is finally and fully done on the earth. The last enemy to be taken care of will be death, 1 Corinthians 15. And sin, sickness, and death, all three belong to the other kingdom. And you go, well then, man, why, why aren't we all healed? No one loves anything more than the Father loves Jesus. No one is more delighted in anything or anyone than the Father is in Jesus. And Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, that's the way I love you. Now your whole job is to remain in my love. And if you do, you'll bear much fruit and glorify the Father. But apart from me, you can't do anything. So that's how loved you are. That's how loved I am. Now, how much of that love am I actually abiding in? How much of that love am I believing? How much of that love am I receiving? Not much. Not nearly, not nearly as much as is real and true and authentically available. So if that's true in my, with reference to my soul, right, my soul, then is it also possible that I'm not really walking in all that's available in my body. And that doesn't mean like, oh, I should feel ashamed and it's my fault that I'm not healed. That's not even what I'm saying. I think what I'm saying is there's more available than what we're walking in. And that's not a reason to feel condemned. That's a reason to feel hopeful. When you find someone who's godlier than you, do you feel condemned that you're not further along? Or do you feel excited and inspired because that's something you can aim to grow into? So Jesus sent them and us, I just don't know if we know it, to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. I think we tend to steer toward preaching ministries rather than wholeness and healing ministries because we're more like Greeks, right? Remember when Paul said that Jews demand signs? I don't believe you until you prove it. That's not a good heart toward Jesus. But Greeks, what they look for is wisdom and they're actually offended they're offended by miracles. They want intellectually stimulating intelligence. They want 
finely crafted evidence. They want respectable representatives who hold positions of prestige in the community. They want people who can say it so well so that they can stand behind them and go, that's my guy right there, and he represents what we're all about. We look for wisdom. In the United States, we actually look down on people who pray for the sick and actually report testimonies of healing. We go, mm, that's embarrassing. Some of that's rightfully so because we've had bad examples that have not had integrity and have been charlatans and they have taken advantage of people and they have claimed people were healed who weren't and they didn't worry about follow-up and they didn't worry about truth and accountability and they didn't worry about whether it was verified and true and real because they were too quick to want to have things bolster their ministry and so forth. And now what do you have, little little blue jay? You've got an acorn in your mouth or some kind of seed. You're holding it like a basketball. Man, you're looking frumpy and wet today. I asked the question the other night, how do you, how do we stay stirred up in our passion to share the kingdom. Tom was saying you have to be sure of God's goodness for you, toward you. Because if you aren't sure of God's goodness toward you, it's going to very much limit your capacity to have authentic joy and hope in you're not going to be like, I have a gospel. You won't have a gospel. You won't feel a, you won't believe a gospel authentically. And my question was, how can we keep our passion for this? Isn't it supposed to flow from love? Jesus wasn't trying to get crowds to follow him. Most of the time he was getting, trying to get away from the crowds. Jesus' ministry was born out of a place of love for people and love for God, and he was provoked by what the evil one was doing in people's lives, which was illegal and wrong, and he didn't really try to go after building a ministry. He went after the Father. Uh, there's a scene where in Luke 5, he stays up all night praying and I just love that so much. Like there's something there that just speaks to my heart. You don't stay up all night praying because you're supposed to, because you should. You stay up all night praying to know God, to know the Father, to gain clarity. Tina Bonsall brought it up that from the moment Daniel hit the deck to pray, the angel Gabriel later shows up and tells him, hey dude, from the moment you humbled yourself to pray, the father took notice and sent, he gave his yes, but there's been resistance in the spiritual realm, so you haven't seen the outcome yet. You haven't seen the, the, the fruit yet, but don't be discouraged because you haven't seen the fruit because God, God already gave his yes. It's been slowed in its delivery because there's a war in the heavenlies, but you need to know your prayers are powerful and they move God and you have favor. You are highly favored, Daniel. Man, that, that, that can be an encouragement to us. To, we're too focused on what's happening and not near enough focused on the seeds we're sowing, knowing that we can't serve Jesus in vain. It's not possible to serve Jesus in vain. Every sacrifice will be repaid. Every moment lived in him will bear fruit eternally. I've said enough, but you, my friends, you are called, you are chosen, you are handpicked, you have been given power and authority over Satan and demons and sickness. And you have been sent to enforce and to enact the kingdom.